John chapter number 19. I'm just going to read one verse tonight and take a thought out of it and just get to running. Uh, But you pray for us tonight. I want to help you. But John chapter number 19, verse 25, the Bible says this. Notice this phrase here. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And I want you to think about that phrase right there. Now they're stood by the cross of Jesus. And in this season of celebration of the birth of Jesus, uh, I was thinking about uh, Christmas mornings from my life. I'm 36, so uh, I can remember some of them, but uh, I can think back about many Christmas mornings from my childhood and then all the way up through our children. I can, I can remember uh, some of these things, and there are some mornings that, that I can remember that we literally spent the morning around a tree. Uh, I, I don't know how your house is organized, but I mean, every year, this is my duty now, and, and it's better than it was, but uh, my duty now is to pull an oversized four-part tree out of the attic in four different pieces, to carry down three or four totes of decorations, and then I set the tree up, and I put the lights on, and I am finished. <laughs> Praise God. The kids are into decorating, Courtney's into it, so all I can do is sit back and just watch and enjoy but I think about there's a lot of wonderful memories that, uh, that I have around a tree. But I, I was thinking about this, and I, I think back to the years. I've received some wonderful things from people that have come from under a tree. But the greatest thing that I ever received came from one that was on a tree. Some 2,000 years ago at Calvary, I received, thank God, he paid for a gift for me that I could have eternal life. And friends, that's the greatest gift that man can ever receive. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're here tonight and you're lost, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and was buried and on the third day rose again to give you eternal life. It's an amazing thing that God not only would come, as Tom preached about this morning, but that he came with a purpose. And I want to look about this tonight. That's the only way I could connect this. Can I say this? The only way for me to connect this message tonight uh, to Christmas in the season was through the tree. But can I say something to you? Christmas was always about Calvary. The birth of Jesus was always about what he was coming to do. May I say God came into this world and I want to look at that tonight. Uh, As we see in this text, uh, I want you to grasp this. We find that Jesus is on the cross in our text and we find there's some women that were standing by the cross and and what an amazing thing God highlighted. We didn't see the disciples there. Some were there. John was there eventually, but not all of them. A lot of the ones we don't know about was there, but Jesus highlighted the ones that positioned themselves by the cross. And I'm glad for that tonight. And may I say that that's the message to us tonight is we've positioned ourselves by the cross and we better be sure till he comes that we stand by the cross. I want to look and examine the cross tonight and, and, and what they were doing, we must continue to do. We must continue to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in days of apostasy. I'm not going to go on that. We're in days of deceit. We're in days of opposition and persecution and all these things. I'm not talking about those, but those are the day we're in. But we are to be standing by the cross. And it's important in the day and the hour that we're in that we take a scriptural stance to stand by what Jesus did at Calvary. A lot of people don't understand this. They think all kinds of religions claim Jesus. 
Just like Tom said this morning, he's not just a God. That's wrong. That's not right. He's not just a man who became God. There's people who believe that. Now, hold on a second. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. He's always been God. And for the moment he put on flesh, he'll always have flesh. May I say something to you? It's important that we look at the cross because when we see the cross, there's some things we can gather in the cross that we need to stand by. And, and I want you to look at this the thing. When we're standing by the cross, first we're standing by its purpose. There's a reason you, you think about this for a second. I've seen pretty pictures where there's been trees out in the field, one tree. You go up on Red House Hill, they, the church is called Lone Oak. I'm sure somewhere out there there was one oak tree by itself. You say, why they call it Lone Oak? Because there was one by themselves, Lone Oak. But I think about all these to the eons of time. But do you know it's the cross that divides man? Where you find yourself, on the right side or on the wrong side of the cross, the cross has been an intersection for man throughout the 6,000 years we've been on this earth. Listen, for those that live before it and those that live after it, Calvary was an intersection and, and, it, and it helped determine the eternity for man. And it's important that we stand by the cross and not, not remove ourselves, not soften our stance, but we stand for scripturally what he did on the cross. We see its purpose. Think about this for a second. What took place on this tree? I know I opened up about a Christmas tree, but may I say something to you? Christmas trees come and go, but this, this one right here will go down and forever, and we'll forever look back at this tree. Listen, all of the Old Testament was pointing to a tree where the Son of God, who was born of a virgin, would get on the tree and die in our place, a substitutionary death. Him that knew no sin became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. He took upon us the sin. The Bible said in Isaiah 53, 6, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of the Old Testament was looking to this tree and forever throughout eternity we'll look back like you and I are doing now and remember what he did on this tree. We got to stand by it. But what took place on this tree was a plan of redemption that was in place before the world ever was. I want you to realize its purpose. This, this, this standing by the cross, when we stand by it, we're standing by the purpose of Calvary. Now, uh, some thousands of years ago, before the earth was, in Revelation 13, 8, the Bible gives us some information. It says, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want you to know that before the earth was created, before Adam and Eve had sinned, before anything, if you go back before uh, the ark and before the flood and before the uh, Tower of Babel, and through all these things, can I say something to you? Calvary was always there. God always knew that man would fall, but he had planned to redeem man before man even became a sinner. He was created holy, but he knew he was going to fall. But I want you to grasp this. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus came here to die on a tree for a purpose. That's God came here on purpose. Can I say something to you? You're not here tonight on accident. God has you here on purpose. John 19, 37, Jesus said this, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. And he's literally standing before Pilate in the shadow of Calvary. 
He's getting ready to get on the cross, and he states the purpose that he came. They're all talking, Pilate's talking about him being a king and his kingdom, and Jesus saying, listen, I am a king, and if I brought my kingdom down here, there'd be nothing you can do. He said, but I'm not here for that. I've came here for this purpose. The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all that, they thought they were getting rid of him. Listen to me. In the sovereign plan of God, they were just playing the part. God allowed them to do what they did so that Jesus could get to the cross and listen. Listen, to die on purpose for our sins. Calvary was on purpose. He knew he was born to do and why he had come. And the scriptures tell us this. In multiple places it speaks of his purpose for why he came. Think about Matthew 1 and 21. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. They were even before his birth. They told him that this child that you're going to have, his purpose was to save people from their sins. I mean, all throughout his life. You could go to John 1 and 29, and, and they were all wondering in John's been preaching and getting them all stirred up and he said listen behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world John was already preaching Calvary before Jesus got on the tree listen to me it was purpose it was planned the Bible said in Galatians that in the fullness of time had come God had it hey, mapped out to the very second that Jesus took his last breath it was all planned and in control of God for what reason? To save your soul. That's why he came. They wanted him to set up the kingdom, but he wanted to save souls. Listen to me. If Israel, if Israel would have accepted him, God would have used Israel to save man. That was his intention, but they didn't want him. So he opened it up, and here we are today. But I want you to think about this. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man is coming to seek and save that which was lost. I want you to grasp this tonight. We need to stand by the cross and the purpose of the cross. In these days, listen to me, church. Our number one focus ought to be the souls of men. We have a lot of great ministries, I thank God, that people labor in here for. I praise God for that. We ought to thank God for that. People's willing to work. And if you don't have something, listen, we'll find something for you. Amen. We ought to be praying for labors. That's a scriptural command for us to pray for labors. But can I say something to you? We always must keep the priority, the souls of men. I don't care how many people we feed. If we can't tell them how to get right and how to get to heaven, how to get eternal life, if we can't show them the one that died on Calvary, if we don't take them by the way of Calvary, we're missing our purpose. Our stance ought to be right here. Jesus purposed to come, and may I say, he left the church their purpose. You can read it over in Matthew. We call it the Great Commission, but he tells them to go out and to bring them in, to teach them. We're supposed to help people get saved. That's what we're here for. May I say that's the ultimate thing we're here for. We do. There's a lot of good things that come from this church being in this community. We're salt and light. We're supposed to be. There's a lot of good influences. But you're here, a member of this church, with the primary purpose of we're supposed to see men get saved. That's our primary purpose. And we got to stand, if we're going to see that happen, 
we got to stay by the cross. we got to stay as close to this message, stay as close to the Lord as we can. God desires to save the souls of men, and we must continue with the primary purpose God has intended for the church, and that is to bring men to Christ and to build Christ in men. We cannot get away from the purpose. When we look at that they were standing by the cross, they positioned themselves by Calvary. May I say we ought to do the same thing, and we are, but we ought to continue to make sure we don't waver away from that which is primary and that's bringing men to Christ. It's purpose. But not only are we standing for its purpose, we're standing for its person. If you look at the cross, we are to continue to stand because the person who was on there. May I say something to you? All kinds of people was crucified, but none of them were sinless and spotless. None of them were the only begotten Son of God. May I say, who was on that cross mattered. Listen, not a man could ever do what Jesus has done for us. Thank God for that. It took the perfect Lamb of God to do that. But I want you to notice some things that Jesus tried to teach them and that we can see. And in the day we're in, listen to me, it's important. There's a lot of, back then, before the Internet, before Facebook, before Twitter, and before all these different things. I know it's called X now. I'm getting old because I don't call it what it is. Uh, for all these type of things, may I say, people still had different opinions of Jesus. Read it in the Gospels. There's people that just thought he was a great teacher. There's religions and things that, that thought he was a great man and thought he was a prophet. But can I say something to you? Thinking, hey, listen, he was. He's the greatest teacher of all time, but he's more than that. There's a lot of people whose views of Jesus fall short of who he really is. And, and Jesus was trying to teach him in the Gospel of John. As Tom was talking about this morning, listen, the purpose of the Gospel, the gospel, the son of, uh, the gospel of John was to teach man that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he was trying to teach in there. You can read it. He read it this morning, John 20, verses 30 and 31, that, that, that we might know that he's the Son of God. And throughout this book, you'll find he met all kinds of people that, that would say this about him or say this about him. They called, listen, they said he was the devil. I mean, they had all kinds of opinions. And you'll find the same thing today. It's just more widespread because the internet gets things all over the universe. But here's what Jesus was trying to teach them. And may I say, if we'll, we need to position ourselves by the cross, but you can see when we look at Calvary, we can see many attributes of God on display. But one thing that we can see is that Jesus is the Son of God. And I want to say something to you. That's exactly who he is. And we got to stand by that. Jesus said this in John 8, 28. Then Jesus said unto them, When ye had lifted up the Son of Man. Now it's interesting, I'll, I'll tell you. Then Notice what he says. Then shall ye know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And Jesus said this, when you all lift me up. He's talking about this crowd that was trying to get rid of him. And he said, when you lift up the Son of Man. Now that's a picture of his humanity. Okay? He said, when you lift, you lift up this human, that's what he was. He said, then you shall know that I am he. He said, when you put me on the cross, you'll know that I'm the Son of God. And may I say something to you? There was a man 
that wasn't in this crowd that I know of, but who gave a testimony at Calvary. That'd be a good message title, Testimonies of Calvary. But think about this for a second. He wanted them to know that he was God. That's the book of John. It's important. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a clear establishment that he is God. And all, you can go to John 10, 30. He said, I and the Father are one. There's no, listen, if you get in the Word of God, the only way if you read the Gospel of John and you get out of here and say that Jesus ain't God or is a form of God or is something other than just being as much God as Father and the Holy Ghost, then listen to me, you've intentionally uh, uh, misread, didn't take the context or ignored what the truth of the Bible says. It's all the way through that. All the I am statements. I mean, Jesus was very clear. And you say, well, why are you preaching this to me? We know that. Can I say something to you? It's important that we stay right where we are and strengthen our stance because not everybody believes that. That may boggle your mind because it does me. But I, I've never, I mean, but there are literally religions based out there that think he was a God. Or, or he became a God, and, and when you say, well, why does that matter? Because, hold on a second, he's always been God. It's established throughout Scripture. It's important that we have the proper scriptural view of Jesus. A lot of people's going to be upset and shocked when they see him because that what they saw on Twitter and based their eternity off of and what they read on Facebook and, and, and based their eternity off of, that ain't who the scriptural Jesus is. He's holy. He, he's, he's, hard, he's, he's set higher than the heavens. He's undefiled. I'm talking about, listen to me, he is as much God. And Tom did a wonderful job this morning. Listen, to, I'm not going to run over these same things, but I want you to grasp, hey, listen to his message this morning. It's already up on Sermon Audio. I got it up six hours early. Y'all to just praise God. I texted him. I said, you can listen to it on your way home tonight. It's already up. But this is important because you got to know he's the son of God. Yeah, you got to know that. But I want you to grasp this truth. All of these Pharisees, and, and listen to me, they could have. Here's the difference. You can't say, I can't believe. Yes, you can. You choose not to believe. That's a big difference. The, if, you, if you get serious with the Scriptures and you're willing to search it out, you'll come to the conclusion that He's the Son of God and that He died on the cross for your sins and He was buried and on the third day rose again and you can believe that and be saved. But if you don't believe that, it ain't the Bible's fault. God has presented the truth. Man has to make a choice. I'm talking about it's important. People are not serious about the Bible. But this is literally how you're going to know if you're going to heaven. This is how you know who the Lord is. And, and, and think about this. All of these ones, these Pharisees, these scribes that were standing here and they were trying to get him, they, they, didn't, they could have and all of the miracles testified to the truth of his word. He even told them, he said, if you don't believe my word, look at the miracles. They testify that my word is true. Healing the uh, lame and, and heal, uh, giving the sight to the blind and all these things were all Old Testament prophecies. And he's doing these things and, and he's saying, I am him. And it was proof right there. They couldn't even deny it. It's undeniable. Listen to me. If you get in the Word of God, it's undeniable. It's un he is undeniable. The truth of God's Word will all, I'm telling you something, if you open yourselves to the truth of God's Word, you can be saved. 
It's meant for you to be saved. It's written for you to be saved. He put the proper miracles, accounts, and everything in there that you can believe. It's put there for a purpose. But think about this. You're standing among people with testimonies that will testify to you that he's a risen, living Savior. In 2023, I've never seen Calvary, but I've been there. Thank God by the way of faith. But there was a man that was at Calvary. And here's what he testified. Jesus told these men in John chapter 8, he said, listen, when y'all raise me up, you'll know that I'm he. But there was a man there, the Bible tells us, a centurion in Matthew 27. And it says, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus. You know what they were doing? They were positioned by the cross. And it said, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this is the Son of God. May I say something to you? We need to stand and take a stance for who he is. Uh, there's, don't allow the perceptions of the world to change. Listen, he is a hundred. I don't have to understand it all, and you don't either. Just like he preached this morning, I'm talking about, we, we, we could pre, he could continue to preach that for the rest of his life, and he'll never get to the end to it. May I say, we'll get into eternity, and we'll never find the end of eternal God. We're not supposed to understand everything. We're supposed to believe it. And we can because God's proved himself. But we need to stand by its person. I mean, listen, we need to stand by. I mean, I could talk about the different things about him, but he was proven that he was his deity. May I say, that is the importance of this season that we're in. It wasn't just uh, some ordinary uh, uh, child that come into the world. I'm talking about hey, his conception was unlike anybody. Hey, he, nobody was ever come into this world like Jesus did. The only other people that had any type of difference than you and I is was Adam and Eve. Think about it. The only two that I know of in Scripture, Adam came from the ground and Eve came from his rib. Jesus came from heaven, born of a virgin. I'm talking about he is God and he is the Son of God, and he's exactly who he says he is, and he wants to save you. We look at Calvary. We need to stand by its purpose. We need to stand by its person, but we need to stand by its power. I want you to grasp this tonight. This is the part that I believe that you and I need to really get a hold of, and, and, and we do here. Man, I, I, sometimes I feel like I get, get in the car, and I'm like, I'll just ask Court Sheen up here right now, and I'm I, I don't, I, sometimes in my mind I sound negative. I don't want to ever, listen, if we're just real honest, don't get mad at me. We got room to grow, okay? But, I mean, and I think as a pastor, it's our jobs to challenge us to growth. We don't want to ever get to the place that we're just satisfied. That's a dangerous place. I don't want to get complacent. But I also at the same time don't want to stand up here and feel like I'm just taking a hammer and knocking y'all over the head every time I preach. That's not what I'm doing. But I mean, we got to be moving. We got to be growing. There ought to be growth. I mean, in another year, when we come here one year from now, listen, we ought to be more mature in areas of our walk. We ought to be closer in our walk. Hey, there ought, we ought to be more. And I'm not saying we get more uh, uh, type of activities that we do, but we grow in what we're doing. I don't know what God has for us all, but there ought to be a growth here. But, but I want you to agree. Sometimes I feel like, well, I'm just standing up here and I'm knocking you down. I don't want you to think that. 
But I want us to be able to move forward. And I want you to know that we can't go anywhere forward without taking this message with us. I want you to think about the power of the cross and standing by the power of the cross. I stand behind this desk with far less experience than men that stand behind here. And I'll just be real honest with you. I don't know. I say this in a a way of understanding, and I hope you get it. I don't know everything about preaching. I don't know everything about the Bible. I mean, there's most of the time I barely get words out, and y'all just say amen, and I appreciate that. But here's one thing I do know. I can't do a thing without him. That's what I know. Now, I I, want to grow and I want to do all these things, but we can't go anywhere without his power and his touch. And may I say that this message of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. You can read over in 1 Corinthians, saying in my notes, but I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 1, and I think it's verse number 18, and it says, For the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Uh, There's another verse in there that talks about the importance, for after this the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And may I say that the methods of God haven't changed and neither can the message. We can get more people in here by changing what we say. That's true. If everybody gives $50 we put on Facebook and we're giving $50 to every visitor we have Sunday morning, we'll fill this place up. But you start preaching the gospel, some people won't want to stay. But I, I, want you to, I want you to grasp this. This message of the cross, it's not the only message of the Word of God. It's just the most important. Everything builds upon Calvary. Everything, I, I think it's Charles Spurgeon that said, everything ought to trail back to Calvary. Every, every, every message ought to find its way back. Whether you start there or you end there, and may I say everything goes back there. It don't matter. I could preach. I could preach for the rest of my life about Christian living, but if you've never been born again, listen, Christian living ain't going to help you. You must be born again. But may I say, preaching of the cross is to them that are saved the power of God. Hey, reminding ourselves and reminding where we stand by the cross will help us live a a Christian life. It'll do that. The gospel, we never get, I know we get in by the gospel. But let me say something to you. It keeps us going. We can't let that message become something as, I've heard that before. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about we can't get over it, so to speak. I think the church at Ephesus in, in, in chapter number one of the book or chapter number two of the book of Revelation when they left their first love, man, they had everything. But they got over where they got in and what God had done. That's when they said they left their... I mean, they, had, they were running buses doing all those things. I, uh, you say, how do you know that? Well, because he said, I saw their works. I know they weren't running buses. Give me a little liberty there. But they were, doing, they were doing the things God had told them to do. He said, I, saw, I see your works. But they got over that. And may I say, not only do we need to keep that message fresh to us and a reminder to us, but we got to take it out with us. Notice this. We must stand by the cross because the power of the message of the cross. Think about this for a second. I want to show you two ways that the power of the cross, this message. Romans 3.11 says this. 
There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Now I want to lay down this foundation here, okay? And, and stay with me because if you just take, if you don't get it in the right order, it's going to throw you off. But listen to me. That verse tells us right here, and that's part of the gospel message, tells us there's not one person upon the face of the earth that seeks after God. That's what that's, there is, you go read it yourself, there is none that seeketh other God. Now stay with me. After the fall, Adam and Eve covered themselves and hid themselves. You know who found Adam and Eve? God did. Now I want to I lay a truth here to you. Man would never seek after God if God first didn't draw him. Listen to me. Nobody sitting in this sanctuary tonight would be saved had God not drawn them. Now when the scripture comes and says, seek you, seek you the Lord while he may be found, we seek him on the basis of him drawing us. Do you realize that? Man, in our, in our fallen nature, none goes after God. But we find that it's God that comes after us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And Jesus said this in John 12 and 32. He said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Do you see the power that's on display at the cross? He draws men that have turned themselves from them and hid themselves from him, and he draws them unto himself. What a work of Calvary. That's one work of Calvary. He said, if I be, if I be lifted up, and he was lifted up, that he would draw all men. Think about that. The desire for God to save every single person. There ain't a person, and you can categorize us, you can divide us, you can separate us out, you can do whatever you want to, but let me say something to you. Christ wants to save every single one of them. I don't care how bad you say their sin is, listen to me, he wants to save them as much as he wanted to save us. But the cross... Jesus said that he would draw all men to himself. That's a work that took place. And I know we say that here. May I say, this is a work that God has done. And God himself has done this at Calvary. And listen, but you and I as a church, I believe it's important for us to kind of keep this mentality as we want to continue to lift him up. I'm not saying that we are the ones working the work. I'm just saying that we want to keep him lifted up and he's already done this work. He's drawing men to himself on the basis of Calvary. And notice this, he draws men. What a great work that is. Nobody be saved without the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad that God came to where we were? We couldn't get to where he was, and we wasn't going to try anyways. That's what the Bible's teaching us. We were in bad shape. Romans 3 is bad shape. It's a lot of negativity. Until we get to the second part of the work of Calvary. And I like this. He tells us over in Romans 3.24, and I'll read it here because I can't quote it exactly. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And may I say what took place on Calvary was Christ not only draws men to himself, but he'll save those who will by faith believe him. Think about this. He went to the... Man would have never received the salvation had Jesus... Not, isn't that amazing? 
I'm talking about that's a, that, that goes beyond. There, there can never be any boasting about salvation. Nobody's going to boast in heaven and say, well, yeah, I just sought him out and found him. No, 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 no. No, you didn't. You may have sought him out, but he done came looking for you. And he draw you, that convicted you. He even sent the Holy Ghost. You can read it in John for the purpose of reproving us. Can I say that God, we don't, people don't like to get under conviction, but conviction's not to beat you down. Conviction's always there to bring conversion. It's, it's purpose for man to see who we really are and that to point him to say, here's the Savior of the world who died for our sins. Listen to this message. It not only is a message that God used to draw men, but here's the message to be saved. Romans 1 and 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now the gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and he says how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I've quoted here tonight, and was buried and on the third day rose again according to the scriptures. That's the definition of the gospel. But he says, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. May I say, it's this message that is the power of God unto salvation. We need to stand by the cross because this has the power that people can get saved. That's our purpose here, is to glorify him. And he's commissioned us. To, to teach, now we can't save nobody here, so don't understand what I'm saying. All we can do is present the gospel. If I thought we could save you here, we'd just get around you right now and we'd get on top of you until you got saved. But they don't work that way. We could hold you down, we could lock you downstairs in one of them rooms and not let you out until you say you got saved, but we can't, that ain't going to save you. We can't force it upon men. I can't make my family get saved. I can't make my coworker. I can't make you get... If I could, I would. Listen to me. You have a choice of what you're going to do with the Word of God and the Son of God. Now, God has presented His Word and gave us His Word for the purpose that every single person could believe. I'm telling you, He's done this. It's the message of the gospel. The gospel teaches man who is lost that they are lost... And they cannot save themselves. That's the first part of the God. It's negative before it's positive. Why is it called good news? Here's the bad news. If he'd have never died on the cross for our sins, you and I are still lost and we couldn't save ourselves. That's bad news. But that's the reality. But the good news is that Christ died for our sins. He met the need that you and I had. He met the need that you and I could never, uh, uh, there's not a transaction, there's not a work, there's not a life that could live that could ever equivalent or merit salvation. It is simply by and through what Jesus Christ had did at Calvary. And listen, we need to stand by the cross. Can I say our neighbors need Jesus, our community needs Jesus, and God has put us here to give them the message of the gospel we got to stand by the message stand by the cross because it's the power of God unto salvation because of the power that Jesus did there to draw men to himself and I want you to think about this this message the power of the cross it's the only place a person can get clean I mean clean like my kids are I'll, I'll bathe my kids, and now we're getting to places. I don't know why my kids are afraid of showers. They're just wonderful. Showers are wonderful, but my kids are afraid of water in their face. We've been working it, but the other day, we, we was in a hurry. I said, all right, Mikey, you got to get in there and shower yourself and bathe yourself and come out. And I, I'm like, well, did you wash? 
<laughs> That's the question you ask, right? And there's, yeah, yeah, I'm clean. Sometimes they come out and their hair's still dry. I'm like, hey, <laughs> come on now. But you know what, what you and I, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about cleanse like we think we've just done enough. I'm talking about this is a washing of something that you and I could never remove. I mean, of all of the sins that you and I have committed, every bad thought, I'm talking about every word that we said, every act of... I'm talking about all the inward sins that sometimes people don't even see that's there. I'm talking about it's cleansed from them. I mean, I mean, clean as... I mean, you can't get any clean. There ain't a cleanser on the world. There ain't a, there ain't a thing on this earth that can cleanse like the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about, friends, those outward things that we've done, the times that we've hurt others, the times that, that we've done things, all these kind of things. May I say something? to you. Hey, the power of the cross. Hey, it is able to cleanse men. The Bible said in Revelation 1 and 5, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and notice this, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I'm talking about it's so clean. It's not that when I stand before God that I got a clean record. It's when I stand before God, it's like I have a clean character. It, it, ain't, it ain't just like my sins are gone. It's as if I'd never been a sinner to start with. I mean, it just goes beyond blanking the slate. It goes beyond, I mean, he didn't even, he don't even, when he looks at me and he sees his son, he don't, he don't, on purpose. Listen, Christ died for those. Hey, they are forgotten on purpose. God knows everything, but he intentionally forgets the things that I've done. Listen, why on the basis, that's how clean Calvary makes me before the presence of God. That's a powerful thing. We got to stand by it. People don't get into heaven without it. Listen, you must be born again tonight. I'm wrapping this up, Judy. You can come on. I'm, 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 I'm about done. But I want you to grasp this tonight. If you're here tonight and you're lost, everybody in this room that's saved has come by the cross. And may I say, every man, woman, boy, or girl upon the face of the planet at some point is going to have to make a decision about what they're going to do with Jesus and what he did at Calvary. God has purposed. He came here on purpose to save you. Why we're celebrating Christmas. And, and I know there's a lot of wonderful things. The, the, the fellowship and the memories. And I love the season. It's, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. I love it. I enjoy it so much. It just seems like there's just something different for as we get close. And I know my kids, they're born in December and those things. But I mean, there's just something about this time. It's just wonderful. But it came and it's here for the single purpose, the primary purpose that you can be saved. That's why he came. What an, man, we ought to just, y'all just, I mean, I know we hear that all the time, but I mean, just stop for a second. Man, he came all the way down here. He knew, listen, he knew everything about me before I was ever born. He's here on this earth 2,000 years before I ever, before I ever come into existence. But he knew that I was going to have a need. He knew I was going to sin and come short of the glory of God, but he came for me. May I say something to you? He came for you too. And church, in this hour, this moment, the days that we're living in, we ourselves as a church, we need to stand by the cross. 
don't move. Don't lose position. Don't lose traction. Stand there. Not only because it's the right thing to do, but this world out here around us, they need this same Jesus that you and I know. They need to hear this same gospel message. Paul said in that 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about the gospel and he says, uh, I'll go over and read it, and, he, and I want you to notice this. It's important. By which also you're saved. It comes from this message. And we need to remind ourselves in this season, it's good to, to think about. I, I, listen, it's, all of it's wonderful. But we need to remind ourselves every day the people around us need this message. It's the power of God unto salvation. Unto the Jews first and also to the Greek. You say, what's that mean? That means everybody. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody can be saved. Everybody should be saved. And if you want to be saved, all you got to do is simply repent. You say, what is that, preacher? Well, this is repentance will agree with God about who God is and agree with God about who you are, who God says you are. When you begin to agree in your mind, it's going to be a change of mind that results in a change of life. If you'll open yourself up to the truth, you'll see that he truly is the Son of God. And the Bible said in multiple places, you can find it in 1 Thessalonians 4, find it in Romans 10, but if you'll believe that Christ died and rose again, you can be saved. And you can have the greatest gift that I've ever received <laughs> and the greatest gift available. And sitting amongst people here that's received the greatest gift ever, didn't come from under a tree, it came from one that was hanging on one. It's the gift of eternal life. Let's bow our heads.